Hello, and welcome to the Hammond New Harvest Podcast. Today, Pastor Brian begins a brand new series called Why Suffering? And this morning, he looks at 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, for this message titled, Embracing the Suffering. I'm going to start something this week, and... Uh, it's never good to start a series by telling people you're not going to like it. But uh, let's start a series this week. You're not going to like it. Uh, it's it's going to take some maturity. It, it's going to take us going deeper in God. It, it, it's not a feel-good series, but but hopefully it's something that when we when we get through this, that that we can embrace what we've been through. And we can thank God for what He's done. And, and, and instead of focusing on, on the negatives and instead of focusing on the, the difficulties, we, we actually focus on, on the great things that God has done. And so the, the series is called Embracing the Suffering. Embracing the Suffering. And, and we, we typically don't think about embracing suffering. But I want to open with a Mother's Day sermon and tie it into that. Uh, we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Familiar passage of Scripture. I'm sure there's a lot of Mother's Day sermons that have been, that have been preached on it. Hey, I also want to say while I'm thinking about it, there are several churches around the state and, and several churches around the, around the nation that are reopening today under, under the, the, the guidelines. Lake County is not allowed to do that just yet. Um, we're, we're very close to Chicago. And, and we're praying for you. We're praying for you churches that are opening today. And, and they, as you just kind of paved the way, we're going uh, to learn from you as we get ready to, to reopen and, and regather together in the days ahead. But, but prayers for, for the churches that are, that are reconvening today under, under the guidelines. Uh, you're, you're in our prayers today. And God has been good through this. I, I, I want to get angry about things, but I, I haven't been able to because I see the hand of God in all of this. Uh, I, I, when I look at the circumstances, I, I could get disappointed, but, but then when I look at what God's been doing through this... I, I just I refuse to to get discouraged or angry or upset or at anybody because what God is doing is overriding the political sides of it. What God is doing is overriding the 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 fear side of it. What God is doing is overriding the frustrating side of it. God has been moving, and 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 we've we've seen lives touched through this, and I, I thank God for that. Uh, we just, I guess, just where, we, where we're going to choose to focus is on, on what God is doing through all of this. I want to look at 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. And it, it reads this way. It says, There was a certain man from the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Elkanah. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all of her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her 
till she wept and would not eat. I want to talk about suffering through the wait. Suffering through the wait. You ever feel like you're waiting? And that wait can bring about some suffering? I want you to ask, ask you to pray with me and pray for me, and I'll, I'll pray with you. God, we love you today, and we thank you for your word, and I thank you for Mother's Day. I thank you for, for women that fill that role, and God, are, that are watching, that, that are around this nation. And God, I ask that, that you bless and that you minister. I, I ask again, God, that you minister to those that are missing their mother, those that are grieving, those that have lost their mother and don't have the opportunity to, to wish them Happy Mother's Day or have lost that mother figure in their life. God, I, I pray your comfort on them. God, I ask that you speak to us today. I pray, God, that as we begin this series, that you take us somewhere, give us meat to eat. God, it's, it's going to take some, some strength to understand how to embrace times of suffering. God, I, 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 I wish I knew how. I, I tend to pray, get me out of this. But Lord, what would happen if we, if we embrace our, our cross? What would happen if we embrace the suffering because it's leading us to a deeper place in you? I ask God that you'll anoint me, enable me to, to speak your word. If you leave me here by myself, I'll make a fool in front of myself, in front of everybody watching. I'll, I'll, I'll mess this up. But God, if you'll, if you'll help me, then somebody watching can be ministered to. Somebody can be encouraged. God, if you'll anoint me, and I don't ask you to anoint me because of me. I ask you to do that in spite of me. I pray, God, that you'll, you'll just use me so that somebody can be encouraged today. We'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, those that are here. Appreciate you helping us and leading us into worship today. Thank you, Alex. Appreciate you so much. Suffering through the weight. I, I, no, let, me, let me introduce this, this series by, by telling you we... We, where Clay lives in Kentucky, we, there's a house down there, and he, in, 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 in the basement, there's a, there's a scale, and the last time I was there, I went down and got on his scale, and, and I was four pounds lighter on Clay's scale than, than I was on, on my scale here at home, and, and so I, I wanted to, when I came back, I was back up the four pounds, and so I'm trying to talk to Clay into swapping me scales, so I, I because I like that scale in Kentucky better than I like the scale in Indiana. I don't know if the gravity is different in Indiana than it is in Kentucky. I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is. But what I do know is I like that scale because it, it tells me what I want to hear. One thing I've learned is people gravitate toward what they want to hear. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to get political. Try not to, but it, 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 we... we this whole virus thing, you, you, people focus, people zero in on the news that they want to hear. Those that, that are ready to open up, they zero in on when are we opening up? Well, it's time to open up. Those that are, that are worried about the health aspect are saying, oh, it's too soon to open up. And we, we tend to, your, your news channel will tell you what you, people who, you know, we, we pick our news channel based on what they're going to tell us, right? I don't like this news channel. I'm going to go to this news channel. Because we, by nature, we gravitate toward what we, what we want to hear. We, we really don't like hearing what, what we, we don't want to hear. 
college campuses a few years ago, they came out with safe spaces. You, you ever hear of this, the, the, the safe spaces? It, it's a place that you could go on campus if you're a college student, and, and it, it, you were guaranteed not to get your feelings hurt. It was a, it was a safe space. It, you, you, would, you would never get offended there because things, you couldn't say anything that was disagreeable or you couldn't say anything that was controversial or couldn't say anything that would make anybody else uncomfortable. It was a safe, safe space. So, so people would go there and say, don't, don't say anything that I don't want to here. And, and, and that's not always what I need. Sometimes I need the hard truth. The, the church needs to be a safe place, but not a safe space. You see, you, you, can, you can be yourself here and be, and be safe, I, I, I promise you. No, no one's going to look down on you for who you are. You, you can take off the religious mask here and be safe. I, I, I promise you that. You, you, you don't have to be religious and, 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 and live up to some kind of religious uh, mark in order to be... You, you, you'll be safe just, 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 just taking the mask off, I, I promise you. You can address your brokenness here. And be, and be safe. I, I promise you, no one's going to look down on you for being broken. I'm, I, I'm broken. We, we're, we're a broken people. I, I can promise you that, that you, you can, this, this is a safe place. But what I can't promise you is that you'll like everything you hear. See, we believe that when we look into the truth of God's Word, we, there, there are some things that we'll, we'll read that make us uncomfortable. There's some things that, they're gonna, uh, that are going to offend us. There's some things that are going to sting my feelings, if not hurt my feelings. And some preachers take pride in being offensive. I, I, I don't. I, I don't like just being offensive. But I do know that the truth can be offensive, especially when I don't want to hear it. I, I want to hear what, what's going to make me feel comfortable. So the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at, at suffering, and we're going to be talking about embracing our suffering, embracing difficult times. And let's just be honest, nobody wants to hear that. It'd be much bit better for me to preach, it's about to come to an end, and this is going to happen. But, but, but I, I want us to stop and pause with, with what we've been through and what we're going through. What if there's something in the moment of suffering that can transform our lives? What if there's something that in, in these last few weeks during this, this virus, something in this pandemic, something in, in the midst of the whole COVID-19 thing, what if there's, the, the reason that I, that I can't just be upset about it is because there's something life-transforming in it. There's something that, that has drawn us closer to God. There's something that's drawn us closer to each other. And, and what if there's something in these dark times that, that tra- changes our life to where we'll never be the same again? What if the difficulties we face are are somehow a a unique gift from God where where we can draw closer to Him and experience His power and experience His deliverance. Here's the fact. We we want to experience God's power, but that doesn't happen unless we experience our own weakness. We want to experience God's victory, but that doesn't happen unless we understand our own vulnerability. We want to experience God's deliverance, but that doesn't happen unless we understand our own desperation. God is drawn to us when we come to the end of our self-sufficiency. Have you ever been in a place where you did all you could? You just you did everything you knew to do, and finally you came to the place you said, I, I, I just can't do anymore. There's nothing more. I, I just can't do it anymore. You, you realize you couldn't fix it. You realize you couldn't figure it out. You realize that you needed help. You cried out for help, and then you discovered what? That God was there, and that he came through for you. I want to look at this 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 mother who, who was at a place of brokenness in her life. Now, on, on this Mother's Day, we, we want to celebrate, celebrate motherhood. There, there's no doubt that mothers understand what it is to suffer. 
There's there's suffering that goes along with, with, with motherhood. Debbie, my son Eason is here, and, and Debbie gave birth to Eason, and I learned a lot about suffering through that 18 hours of labor. Uh, they, I, I would hold her hand and watch that uh, Geiger counter or whatever it was go up, and I, I, I knew that she was about to have contraction, and I would hold her hand, and I saw it before she did, and I would ask her, do you feel that? And, and all of a sudden, the grip on my hand would take me to my knees, and she said, yes, I, I feel that, and just and it, I, I understood, I, from, not, I didn't understand it from experiencing, just understanding it from from what there was, there's suffering, but but the joy that comes with with that child, right? Mothers know what it is to feel uncertain. Mothers know what it is to feel worn out. Mothers know what it is to feel inadequate. But they're willing to suffer because of the love they have for their children. There's the endless crying, the sleepless nights, the messes that's always got to be cleaned up, the discipline. You, you, you work for the day when that child is going gonna, is gonna to grow up and be on their own, while at the same time you hope that day never comes and that they stay little forever. It's a blessing to be a mom, but it comes with suffering. Mothers, not your head. Am I telling the truth so far? You're pushed to your limits mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. It's feeling alone and yet wishing you had just a few minutes that you could be alone. It's doing everything you can to raise, raise your children to be productive, responsible adults, while at the same time knowing that there's some things that are going to come into their life that you just can't control. It's encouraging your children to make wise decisions, while at the same time knowing that as their mom, you don't get to make those decisions for them. It's you giving your best day after day, year after year, and then feeling like that's just not good enough. And you do it over and over and over, day after day, year after year. We want to say thank you, mothers. In our text, we see a woman who's not yet a mother, and that's part of her suffering. She, she wants to be. She's married to a man named Elkanah, and in verse 2, 1 Samuel verse 2, he had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Now, Elkanah probably married Hannah first, and then when she, she wasn't able to give him children, he, he married Penina. This, this was a, a horrible idea, and, and it wreaks havoc on the whole family. Hannah is suffering emotionally. Now, I've read about what infertility causes. Infertility causes the same type of suffering as as a terminal illness, except you don't get the support with infertility that you would get with, with a terminal illness. Infertility in Hannah's day was extremely difficult. It was part of the value that that culture placed on a woman. Having children was considered to be her purpose, her reason for existence. So in that culture, to be barren or to not be able to have children was considered to be God's judgment on a woman. Barren women had the stigma of being under a curse. So not only is Hannah suffering emotionally, she's suffering spiritually. So, so there's this sense that when we're suffering emotionally or spiritually, if we're not careful, we blame God. Have you ever done that? God isn't coming through for me. Where are you? God, I'm suffering. Where are you? This should have changed by now, and, and, and it hasn't changed. God, what, what's going on? And then the enemy whispers in your ear and says things like, God doesn't care about you. God doesn't love you. God, it doesn't matter to God what you're suffering or what you're going through. So sometimes in, in, our, in our suffering, instead of crying out to God, we push God away. Now, 
maybe you're not suffering with infertility, but maybe you're suffering in other areas. Maybe, maybe your health is suffering. Maybe you're suffering in your marriage. Maybe, maybe you're suffering in your finances. Maybe you're suffering with a rebellious child. Maybe you're disappointed and your disappointment is now zeroed in on God. Maybe you're, maybe you're angry because of the, the extended suffering that you're going through. And the truth is, talk to some of you out there, the truth is some of you are watching, whether it's live or whether it's after the fact, you're watching this and, and you're not interested. Someone shared this page and you promised mom or grandma that you would, you would, you would watch the church service because typically you would be in church with them on Mother's Day and it's not possible this year and so, so you, you said, yeah, I'll watch it and frankly, you're, you're not interested. You're, you're not sure if God exists and if He does, you're, you're not even sure you, you really like Him. You're suffering and, and you feel like God has let you down or that God hasn't come through for you in, in some way. My best friend growing up is, is, is Dennis, and, and Dennis, I think, is going to be watching today, and I ask his permission to share this, and uh, Dennis, thank you for allowing me to share this. Dennis and I grew up together. I don't ever remember not knowing Dennis. We, we, we've known each other for as long as we have memory of, of life, and uh, Dennis was, was born visually impaired. And he, we grew up in church together. And I'll just share a little bit of this story. He, he talked about uh, in times growing up, he, he said that, that, that people would pray for him. And, and there were probably well-meaning but, but not very wise preachers that would pray for him and, and, and tell him as a small child, tomorrow when you wake up, you're going to be able to see. And Dennis said something to me and never, it never left me. He said, you know what it is when you're six years old and you go to bed at night and, and you're told that when you wake up tomorrow, you'll be able to see? He said, you don't sleep much that night because you're so excited and so ready to wake up the next day and be able to see. And then he said, I would wake up the next day and, and there was no change. And, and that happened over and over and over until eventually there's a, there a disappointment with God and even an anger. Dennis lived with that and he shared that with me and I thought about his story when when we find ourselves going through suffering and disappointment and it happens again and again and again. See in Hannah's day when a woman was barren it wasn't uncommon to blame God. And in verses 6 and 7 it says because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb her rival kept provoking her. Her rival is Penina in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. This is a, a emotional suffering to the point that she doesn't have an appetite. She can't eat, and, and Panina, her, her husband's other wife, is making her life difficult. Some of you know what it is to suffer because of someone difficult in your life. You, you can't change the circumstances. They're, they're in your life, and they have wore you out. You know who they are. Don't, don't point to them if they're in the room with you. Uh, don't even make eye contact. Just, just pretend that it's not them. But, but you know what it is. You, you've tried to fight back. You, you've tried to ignore. You, 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 you've tried to somehow just overlook it, and nothing has worked. It, it's that difficult person. It may, maybe it's a difficult family member, and, and they're in your life, and, and, and you find yourself suffering because of them. They're a difficult coworker, and they're in your life day after day, and you've tried to do this, and you've tried to act that way. And maybe it's that difficult boss that just never appreciates what you do, and 
They're in your life, and they make your life miserable day after day. Notice this. This stuck out to me. It says year after year in verse 7. Year after year. This goes on over and over and over, year after year. That phrase captures extended suffering. It is suffering over time. So so for a while you think, I, I can handle this. For a while you think, I'm, I'm, I'm all right with this. But then as time passes and nothing changes and you're suffering to the point that you want to become emotionally numb. Verse 8 says this, her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? There's a lot of rookie mistakes here by this, this husband who had, who had brought home a second wife. Uh, he starts off by telling, I mean, imagine, she, she, they're trying to have children. She can't have children, so he, he brings home another woman and says, uh, Hannah, I want to introduce you to, to Penny. This is Penny. Uh, She's going to be with us from here on. But I still love you. And so Hannah's carrying this, these, these scars, deep hurts. And, and he comes to her and says, what are you crying about? Why, why aren't you eating? Why are you so downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? So he starts off by telling her that she shouldn't feel the pain that she feels. Well, why are you crying? And he dismisses her pain. He, he dismisses her suffering. Don't, don't feel that way. Feel this way. Not a, not a good husband technique, right? And, and then, he, then he presents himself as the solution to whatever problem she has. Hey, you, you got me. <laughs> what are you upset about? You, you got, hey, you got this. You got all this. Isn't, isn't, isn't this, surely this is enough right here. What, what more could you want? And you know Hannah wants to choke him right here. So, so he's trying to make her feel better. He's really just making her feel more alone. He's really making her feel more isolated, like, like she shouldn't feel what she's feeling. And, and she knows as he's talking to her, he, he don't have a clue. He, he, he does not understand what she's going through. And I imagine there was a time in the past when, when Hannah had, had relied on Elkanah to, to rescue her or to comfort her. Now she's going through, he's, he's just not getting the job done. The fact is, there's a place in everyone's life that only God can fill. We, we, we try to fill it with other things. We try to fill it with people. We try to fill it with other relationships. We try to fill it with things. We try to fill it with money or hobbies or entertainment. Sometimes, unfortunately, it's filled with anger or bitterness. There is some suffering that only God can heal. There are some areas of your life that only God can address. Hannah is suffering and no one can heal her. Verse 9, once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now that phrase stood up is not talking about just position. It's, it's getting to a place where she had had enough. She got up. She stood up. She took a stand. She said, I'm going to do something about this. I, I, something's got to change. I want to talk to the person today that's watching and you're at a place in your life where you're saying, something's got to change. Somehow, God, you've got to help me stand up. You've got to help me get up. You've got to help me make a 
a change in my life. I can't keep going through this over and over and over. I've got to stand up. That change she makes is as she goes to pray. And she prays a prayer that, that you pray when you realize you can't fix it. When you realize that you've done all you can do and, and it just gets more messy. When, when you've endured it for as long as you can when, and, and everything's still just falling apart. When year after year, it's the same thing after the same thing. And you finally say, something's got to give. And so you stand up. You get up and you go to God. Sometimes people turn to God when they have nowhere else to go. That's not a bad thing. In that moment, you, you, you've done everything you know to do, and so you, you, you go to God. You have no other options, so you turn, turn to God. Listen to me. If you've tried everything else, and you say, well, maybe I need to try God, but, but, but I, I haven't yet, and, and what's he gonna, how's He going to handle it now? Listen, He is a loving Father, and that's what He wants. That's what He's waiting for. He doesn't look at you and say, oh yeah, now you come to me. Now, too late. God does not react that way. I'm, I'm learning how to be a, a, a school teacher through, through this whole thing. We're doing the homeschool thing. One thing I realize is thank you, teachers, for the patience that you have with the kids because you've got 25, 30 or more kids in the classroom and, and, and you pour into them and, and take time with them and go to work day after day. I have one in my classroom and I'm ready to peel my face off sometimes. The, the frustration is, is difficult for me. And, and, and so as my frustration rises, Jalen's frustration rises with me. And there's times that, that I, I know what she's doing and, 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 and she's doing it wrong, but she doesn't want to, she doesn't take getting a wrong answer very well. And so she'll say, I got it, I got it, I got it. And I'll say, well, let me show you. No, 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 I got it. And so I say, okay. And I'll tell her, I, I'll be in here when you get ready. Just come in here and get me when, when, when you get ready. I'm not going not gonna to force you. Uh, just, just let me know. And so she'll be in there a few minutes, and, and she, on, the, on her tablet, when she gets the right answer, you hear ding, and you hear the wrong answer, you're boo. And, and so uh, I, I'm listening, and I'm hearing boo, boo. And I'm like, she, she's getting the answers wrong. And a few minutes later, she'll come walking in and say, Daddy, will you help me? I don't ever look at her and say, no, no, no you, you blew it now. You wouldn't let me help you. You know what? I'm her, I'm her dad. I'm glad. To help. I will gladly help her. Yes, baby. Of course I'll help you. We have a heavenly Father who, who is glad to help us when we come to Him and say, God, I, I can't do anything else with this. This is bigger than me. You, will you help me? And He says, yes. He is a loving Father who welcomes our cry for help. So in verse 10, she, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. This is not. This wasn't a pretty prayer. This wasn't a. This wasn't a prayer that that that, that would make angels sing. This is a, a weeping out of your heart. This is a God. What are you doing wrong? Prayer. Where are you? Prayer. God, I don't understand. Prayer. God, my heart is broken. Prayer. Have you ever prayed those prayers? God, I really don't get it. They're just real. I mean, they're they're not in the King James version. They're just they're just out of they're the, they're the anguish of your heart tears rolling down your face clutching on to your pillow and saying God you've got to help me I don't understand this then in verse 11 it says and she made a vow saying Lord Almighty if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head she says if you give me a son I'll, I'll put him in ministry I, I, I'll turn him over to you now understand that, that, 
the priesthood was, was the Levite tribe. And, and she's, he, he wasn't a Levite. Samuel was a Nazarite. So that's, that's where the no razor being put to his head is about. He, he was going to be a, 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 not a Levite that is doing complete ministry, dedicating his life to the ministry of the Lord. And she says, if you give me a son, I'll give him to you. Now, now when you read this, it sounds like she's negotiating with God, doesn't it? You do this for me. God, you, you give me this, and, and I'll do this for you. You, you give him to me, and, and, and I'll give him to you. God doesn't negotiate. God is a giver, not a negotiator. You can't negotiate with someone who doesn't, who doesn't need anything from you. You don't have anything God needs. So, so to sit and say, God, here's what I'll do, here's what I'll do for you, that, it's really kind of, kind of pointless. God, God doesn't negotiate that way. But she's not negotiating with God. She's surrendering to him. She's saying, God, I've been asking you for a child all these years. And I've been asking you for a child for me. I'm gonna ch- now I'm asking you for a child for you. Big difference. Suffering should lead us to that place of surrender. God, God, I'm, I'm yours. God, whatever you want to do. I, I, I've suffered with this long enough. I, I just give myself to you. I want to look at some things very quickly I see in Hannah's suffering. And, and, and maybe it'll help us as we go through ours. First of all, she looks to God in her suffering. She recognizes that God is her only hope. She realizes, I can't do anything, but God can do everything. And she puts herself in God's hands and recognizes that He's her hope. Number two, she asks God to look at her in her suffering. See me in the middle of this. She learns something that we have a difficult time learning when we're suffering. God is all-powerful, but God is also all-loving. I want to say, we just sang the song, He Knows My Name. The God who holds the universe in His hand. The God who commands the sun to shine. The God who spoke the Word and everything came into existence. The God who threw the stars into the sky at the beginning of time and yet they still twinkle, twinkle there today. The God who created everything that exists. The God who has angels flying around Him, singing praise to Him and are complete awe of Him. And all of creation, all of creation worships Him. That God knows you by name. He knows you. This omniscient God who knows all things is keenly aware of you. He knows what you're feeling. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're facing. He knows your brokenness. He knows your suffering. He knows the battles that you're up against. And He cares because He is a loving Father. Hannah realizes that quality of God. I wonder if you can understand that today. I wonder if you can accept that today. That this great God of the universe knows you by name. That He sees you right where you are. That when your heart breaks, His heart breaks with you. And that He cares. In her suffering, Hannah accepts God's peace. Notice notice how this story ends in verse 18. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Now here's what I love about that story. As we read that, we don't read that God promised her a child. Her circumstance hasn't changed, but her heart has changed. This is my prayer for, for those of you that are, that are suffering today. There are some circumstances that, that you've you, you faced year after year, and they, they haven't changed. Unless, then more than likely, not going to change today. We, we, we want things to change, and it, it, may, it may take some time. It may not, may not change at all. My, my friend Dennis is in his early 50s, still visually impaired. Praise and worship leader in Huntsville, Alabama. 
because he found that peace in God and said, God, whatever your will is for my life, I want it. And he's an inspiration to me today. There's peace when we look to God to find hope and strength. At some point in Hannah's story, we don't, we don't even know how long. It wasn't, doesn't say nine months later. It just says in the course of time. How long is the course of time? It'd been nice if he said immediately, in nine months, clock started ticking. She may have waited years more. Sometime in the course of time. Don't, don't you hate that course of time that we're going through? That sooner or later, or now or then, or just the course of time. But in the course of time, Hannah has a son and names him Samuel. And the name Samuel means asked of God. Every time she speaks his name, she is recognizing how God has heard her. And God has come to her in the middle of her suffering. And Samuel changes the course of history. Samuel anointed the first king of Israel. He anointed Saul. He anointed David. He, he grew up at a time when the, the whole priesthood was corrupt. Uh, Eli's sons were, were, were corrupt priests. They, they were stealing from the offering plate, if you will, at that time. And, and, and having affairs with the women, it was a mess. And yet Samuel was this model of integrity. And, and, and he, he, he steered the, the priesthood back to where it needed to be. He was the voice of God to the nation. Samuel, the, the history of Israel turned on the back of Samuel and on the back of Hannah's prayer. But I've got to ask myself, what, what, if, what if Hannah hadn't suffered? What if God had given her a child immediately? What if she hadn't had to wait? This story of victory would be completely, completely different. He would have grown up in the home with her and Elkanah. And he wouldn't have gone into the priesthood. And he wouldn't have been the influence that he was. What if she hadn't had that suffering? The blessing that Samuel was would have been lost. What if you never faced suffering? What victory would you miss in your life if, if you weren't facing suffering? This, this whole COVID-19 thing is discouraging. We're, we're, we're separated. And, but I wonder if you can find the, the blessing in it. I wonder if you've been able to get closer to God than you were before. I wonder if you've been able to see His faithfulness through this. I wonder if you've been able to, to connect with People in your home that you haven't been able to connect with more now than before because of... I wonder if you can see the blessing of God in the middle of the suffering that we're going to come out of this and look back and say the suffering was... What a difficult time, but God, you made it worth it. Look no farther than a mother. What if a, what if a mother never suffered through pregnancy? What if she never suffered through childbirth? What if she never suffered through raising children? What if, what if she never suffered through that long, long adoption process? What if, what if, what if we say, I, I don't want to go through that? What blessings would you not have in your life right now? What children would be absent from your life right now? See, there's a level of maturity that says, I'm going to embrace this suffering because I know that God is going to bring something through at the end and it's going to be worth it. I wonder if we can embrace our our suffering alex if you'll come that that doesn't diminish the pain that you're feeling i'm not i'm not saying that your suffering isn't painful i'm not saying that it isn't difficult i'm not saying that that i'll just 
Let go and let God. That's so cliche. Just, just trust God. Just pray. It's easy to say when you're not the one going through it. But what if we can say, God, this is painful, but I'm going to embrace this because at the end of this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see a breakthrough. And I'm going to be closer to you. You're going to sustain me through all that I'm going through. And I'm going to come out of this closer to you than ever before. Love to pray with you today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're suffering with right now. I don't know what difficult person in your life is provoking you, making your life miserable over and over, day after day, year after year. But I want to tell you that God knows you. He sees you. He loves you. And if we can recognize that, God, you see me where I am. And I'm important to you. Maybe he'll draw near to you. Maybe he'll draw you closer than you've ever been. And like that mother who holds that child and says, ah, it was so worth it. At the end of her life, and she watches that child grow up, and she's been through the, the difficulties and the trials and the tears and the pain and the hurts and the heartbreaks. And yet she looks in the eyes of that child and says, you're worth it. You're so worth it. Can we go through these difficult times knowing that one day we're going to hold the promise and embrace the promise? Say, God, you made it so worth it. It's not what we want to hear. We want to hear it's going to be over quick, right away. Done suffering. How do I get out? Maybe God's wanting to do something in us now that wouldn't have come any other way. Thanks for joining us today. We sure do appreciate you. Please remember to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hammond New Harvest. We're the perfect church for people who aren't.